0: Welcome to the Finance Show with Joe. My name is Joseph Dowood. I'm an economist, I'm a mathematician, and I am a mortgage broker. Finance Show with Joe was created to basically help Australians become more financially savvy. With the creation of our company, It's Simple Finance, what we noticed mainly was there was not enough information out there for Australians to become financially alert. I'm very excited to introduce my guest today. He is the founder of Peak Wealth Management. He was the Independent Financial Advisor, Risk Advisor of the Year for 2022. He was also the Client Servicing, Andrew, can you help me out with this award here? Client Servicing Company of the Year. In 2021. He is one of the 50 most influential financial advisors in Australia. Correct. He's my good friend, Andrew DeBono. Andrew, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me here, Joe. Pleasure. So we've had your business partner recently on the show, Christian Zuzer, but we thought it would be great to get you on board as well, especially with the interest rate changes yesterday. Could you give us a little bit of insight as to who Peak Wealth Management are and how they assist everyday Australians? Yep. So Peak Wealth Management is a privately
1: owned business. So myself and Christian are the two partners in that. Um. We are recently gone down a self-licensed path. So we're licensed directly with ASIC and not through a mediator or a licensee. Um, the way we operate is a fee-for-service-based business. So what we typically do is focus on um, providing a service for our clients and charge a fee for them as opposed to earning a commission from a property or anything like that. Um, the whole premise or the whole um, rationale of our business is focusing on um, service as opposed to product, Mm -hmm. all right? And that's a big thing. Um, One thing that we are also really, really good at, and I think was probably the reason why we won client servicing company of the year, um, was our whole process when we engage a client is all about education. Mm -hmm. So one of our little, I guess like our little mottos that we've got in the business is, or, or one of the little things that we sort of tell clients, to be honest, is, um, we want to make sure that they understand everything they're getting themselves into and understand everything that they're doing and educate them on all those aspects. And then they're able to make
0: the, uh, make the educated decision as opposed to us telling them what to do. Can you tell us how you discovered your little niche in the market? By educating clients? Yeah, cool. <laughs> so we didn't really have a niche. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. Um, sorry, let me rephrase yeah. that question. Yeah. When did you discover that? your clients needed more of that education. Because myself, I thought I'd never need a financial advisor. And then once Christian and yourself jumped on a Zoom call with me, I was just like, oh my God, there's so many things I'm missing out on, especially in my superannuation that I'm not using and it could be growing so much more. Could you give us some insight as to how you assist your clients with their day-to-day function? Yeah. I think think we'll, we'll go from the start of that. I think um
1: at the very beginning, when I first graduated uni, first got into the industry as a whole, um, you quickly realize there are so many things that you aren't taught at all in life. Um and, and especially aren't taught at all in finances. Like good examples are, you know, how much of your salary goes into superannuation, how superannuation is taxed how personal tax returns actually work and how it's calculated. There's so many things that we just completely, you know, we don't learn at all throughout our education process or Mm -hmm. our education life, you know, kindy to year 12 to, you know, uni, we obviously, I I focus on a finance degree and economics degree. So I learned a bit of that then, but there's so much that we don't know. And then you quickly realize that there is such a market for
0: us as advisors to be able to educate, you know, Mm -hmm. the rest of the world. Fantastic. So, would you be able to give us a little bit of insight, let's say, just for superannuation, the difference between how your superannuation is taxed and how my annual salary is taxed? Yeah, good question. Um, so annual
1: salary, obviously, it's a sliding scale. So we'll start off that one first. Most people know it. Um, you obviously get the first portion tax-free, and then it scales up as you go, um, as you earn more. Uh, once you hit over $180,000 a year, um, you get taxed at 47% essentially, huge, massive. Um, With your superannuation, on the other hand, there is two taxing methods or two taxing points. One taxing point is the money going into it. So if it's before tax money going into it, you're getting taxed at 15%. And then any
0: earnings inside the fund are also getting taxed 15%. So basically- 15% 15% taxed once and then 15% afterwards. So that's about a 22.5% tax once you average it out. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, it depends how your fund performs and the income that it's generating over time. <laughs>
1: so probably not really wise to do or work out an average. Yeah, uh, 15% is going in on before tax money that's that's given. Um, it can be a little bit more depending on your income, but we won't go into that much detail today. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the earnings inside are taxed 15%. Um, if you're a bit older though, you're going to be at a zero, you can potentially be at a 0% tax
0: rate. What age do you need to be for that? Uh, over 60. Okay. Essentially now. Yeah. So basically if I own my own business, I'm over 60 years old, I could start putting money into my superannuation and then not have as much taxed on it. And then at the end, when I could finally tap into my superannuation, which is at what age now? Uh, 60. Perfect. So that means I can actually... Save more, and not be hit by the tax man at the same time. I'm yeah, saying that you are, you are. We are probably jumping the gun a little bit. Okay, I'm, like, getting, I'm getting excited. Yeah, you guys, <laughs> I'm thinking about how many times ta- how many ways I could save yeah. money on tax because yeah. we get hit with these massive things from the government, and then it's just like, where's my money going? Yeah. Like, genuinely, where is my money going? All the, my interest rates, my my home loan repayments have gone up by you know thirty k a year or whatever it is now, and. On the other end of it, I'm also getting taxed more. So what's left for me? So I'm just trying to find a way yeah, yeah, to get a little bit more spending. <laughs> I, think, I think the key, and, and just to sort of probably close
1: off the superannuation part, uh, the key is you've got to put money into it on an ongoing basis for a long period of time. And that's how you'll be, you know, that's how you will essentially win with superannuation. Mm-hmm. Once you hit that 60 years of age, you've got the opportunity to look at retiring, stop working, converting it over into an account-based pension and have your assets invested mm-hmm. in a 0% tax environment.
0: Wow. Cool. You guys started roughly the same time I did. Yep. End of 2019, start of 2020. Would you be able to give us some insight as to how you navigated around that as a business owner? Yeah. Actually, I'll uh, I'll correct you on that. I started the year before. So, oh, so, so you
1: started when you just before Christian. So, literally, I started the business um, just as we'd finished up the royal commission. Yeah. So, probably the worst time to be starting a financial advice business mm-hmm. potentially. Um, part of a lot of what we do and, and, and our investment philosophy is being a, a bit contrarian, so doing things when other people aren't really willing to do it. And that was probably the start, or it wasn't, probably wasn't the start, but there was a mass exodus of financial advisors then, mm-hmm. and I was probably the only one that was getting into it or getting into the business side of things. Yeah. Um. So we started through that, went through the first 12 months, which is pretty good. We, you, know, you work really hard. It's pretty stressful. Um. You know, There's no money in the bank, sleepless nights, long hours, all that sort of stuff. Uh, then COVID hit. So... You pretty quickly go, all right. You're starting to get a bit of momentum, and you're like, "Shit, COVID's here. What's yeah. going to happen now?" Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, in terms of that, it just changed completely. Like I wouldn't have been able to expect what COVID caused. Like it just caused inflation. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, a bit of hyperinflation caused, but it just caused an influx of clients coming to see us as well. Yeah. So we saw heaps of people that we, you know, heaps of people were just reaching out, heaps of referrals coming through. It was um, it was good. It was really good for business. Yeah, I think people just had heaps of surplus cash, didn't know what to do with it. How do I
0: navigate the markets now? I think everyone just needed a little bit of a holding hand in that period of time because they were just going, "What do I do? Yeah, I don't want to like we're in a pandemic. I can't spend my money, but I also don't want to lose my money like all these other people losing their businesses because we saw that on the news every day. Yeah, hundred percent losing businesses. What do I do with these mortgage repayments if I've just lost my job? Yeah, yeah. there was that pause and,
1: and lots sort of stuff, and then you saw the. Um, Yeah, you know, the self-employed clients um, get all the you know the government boosts and um, what were they called again? I've actually forgotten about what they called. I can't remember the
0: pay anything. one. The uh, anyway, the there's there's, uh, cash flow boost. The cash, yeah, flow yeah, boost. the cash flow, the boost. Cash flow that's boost. That's the one. There was a cash flow boost, and then there was JobKeeper. JobKeeper. So if yeah. you kept people employed, you that's got great. paid as an employer seven hundred fifty bucks. That's right. Yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it was just such an odd time because what we thought was going to happen, we actually saw the opposite of what happened. Markets boomed yeah. in this period of time, which is yep. what no one was expecting. But I think we're finally feeling the effects now from what COVID actually caused. Without all these government grants, without us printing money, without, um, you know, we've also got supply chain issues at the same time. So that's actually brought us back down to earth a little bit. And we can see the housing prices are obviously dipping quite significantly. We can see markets are performing quite well in some areas. Yep. And then, in other areas, they've taken a dip as well. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, certainly, certainly. So I think um you
1: know, there's always going to be people out there who are looking for opportunity. You know if I go back to to what I said originally when i'm you know when I started the business, i did I did it in a time when other people would never have done it. Mm-hmm. And I think you know this time that we're going to go through at the moment, you know with potential you know, a bit of volatility in the property market um and the volatility interest rates. Mm-hmm. There are still going to be people out there who are going to try and take advantage of this,
0: of this time period or this opportunity. Speaking of the property market, what trends have you noticed recently, specifically the last twelve months? Yeah, yeah look, last twelve months, I think um,
1: the majority of our clients. So, if I say what we've noticed, we, we are, we're pretty fortunate. We work with advice clients, clients who take our advice and and have a good understanding and, and education of how things work. Um, a lot of those clients are taking advantage of opportunities that are presenting themselves, yeah. um, whether it's accumulating other properties, investment properties. Um, probably 12 months ago, you know they were all getting their equity ready, so getting a bit of cash out, getting that ready so they're able to purchase the investment properties, and they're all looking at transacting at the moment. So we're seeing a lot of that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in a bit of a contrary sense, we're also seeing a lot of people Um, just revisiting their property portfolios. Mm -hmm. So they've got a few properties, the costs have gone up significantly, the interest costs have gone up huge, and then they're starting to go, geez, do I keep this property? Do I keep that one? Do I flog these two off and uh, clear off a little bit of the debt? Um, So all that
0: sort of stuff, we're seeing a lot of that coming through as well. Yeah. So with high income earners, a lot of them like to use negative gearing. And, you know, sometimes as financial advisors, are you able to advise whether negative gearing is good or not good in particular circumstances? We don't really
1: advise whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. Um, We look at the complete situation. And I think the biggest thing, um, you know, the biggest thing for for us is does buying that property that's negatively geared is what's the impact it's going to have over a long-term basis. Mm -hmm. So as I said before, um, we typically try and provide answers for clients and they can use those ants to decide whether they want to do something or not. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to negative gearing, we do a lot of modeling showing what it's going to look like and whether they can afford it and whether they are to be pleased by paying a little bit of money or extra money out. Mm-hmm. Um, or whether they want to go for something that's maybe a bit more neutral or positively geared. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hard to find positively geared these days. Yeah. But maybe like, let's say a neutrally geared property, do that and let that sit there and hold for a longer period of time. So we'll give them the
0: options and they can make those decisions. I still remember when I first came to you guys for financial advice, you guys presented me the three options. You go, look, this could be standard, put your money in this fund. It's going to behave in a fairly normal way. It's probably going to move with the CPI, consumer price index. We can go aggressive and then we could go ultra aggressive. And I still remember at the start of COVID, you guys were like, these are the three that we like. You are allowed to pick which one, and I went for the aggressive because I was like, I don't know if you remember, I was a guy that bought Qantas the day that it crashed. I was like, no, nah, I'm putting all my money in yeah. Qantas, kind of thing. I even tried to tell you, hey, can you grab my whole super and put it in <laughs> Qantas because it bounced back and it shot up double after that. I think you remember. Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. Um, so there was a few moments like that. So is it kind of the same with property when individuals are coming to you? Yeah, certainly is. Certainly is. I think um, you know, individuals
1: always, you know, properties. Like I think it's. Australians have a fascination of property, mm. you know, it's, it's a topical or it's a discussion point at nearly every barbecue, every family event, um, definitely of mine. And I know it's the same with a lot of other people. Um, but yeah, they always come to you with with different ideas and different things, um, things that other people are doing that they think are, is the best thing to do in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, for us, it's always about, you know, going through that, actually making sure they understand the complete nature of what they're asking us to do or what they're looking to do. Um, and then explain your know, other options that they've got available
0: to themselves. Yeah. So I, I just love that family barbecue because I was just at a barbecue over the weekend, yep. and one of my mates comes up to me and he goes, "Joe, what do you th- what do you think about this block of land in Newcastle, and I'll go put a duplex on it." And I'm just like, I, "Where do I even begin? Where is the block of land? What what e- what is your cost of build? Is it DA approved? Is it not DA approved? Are you going owner builder? Do you have plans drawn?" Is there a construction certificate needed? Do you need to go CDC? There's so many things that are involved, and then we you and I are at the barbecue, and they're like, "Yeah, I want to go put a jupey on it or something like that." It's just so funny, you know. It's just such an odd thing. So that actually leads into my next question: What are clients doing with the future of the market? Like, it's so unknown right now. What are they actually doing? And are they being more conservative or are they being more aggressive at the moment?
1: Um. Different clients and different positions are doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our our focus on, on client type is always accumulators, so we always work with people. You know, younger people earning good incomes, trying to accumulate wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're typically seeing with those guys is that if they're not in a position to take advantage, they're preparing themselves to get ready to buy something or to do something else mm-hmm. because they know they can't just you know keep paying off your mortgage and then hope um, your super is going to be enough. At age 60, right? You need to do other things to get ahead in life. Um, So, we're seeing a bit of that. Um, And then we're seeing some people also like reassessing their property portfolio. So, we're looking, you know, they might have had a property where they've lived in, they've kept it, put it as a rental property or as an investment property, then they've bought or upgraded their house. Mm -hmm. So, we're looking at those sort of clients and going, hey, well, look, cash flow is a bit tight now. You've got a lot of non deductible debt in your own home, Mm -hmm. you've got heaps of equity in your investment property. Do we look at maybe selling that? Clearing off a lot of debt in your non-deductible or not a non-deductible debt on your own home, mm. then buying something else afterwards. Yep. So doing a bit of like, I guess we call it debt recycling, just mm-hmm. you know revisiting the debt
0: strategy and, and what they're doing with it, and, and can we make things better? Okay. With the interest rate change, did you get a lot of phone calls yesterday? As all of our viewers might know, these rates went up by 0.25%. I know I did. What happened on your end? Interestingly, not a whole heap.
1: Like, yeah. and I think it comes down to that education process again. You know, when COVID came in the first time, we only had one client really stress out about the market crash mm-hmm. um, with the interest rates as they've been going up. Pretty much every single client's been made aware from our end that mm-hmm. they're gonna, it's gonna happen. It was going to happen. Um, so when these rates do go up, it does impact a lot of our clients. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a fair few clients that are fixed. We made sure that they fixed them at the right time and right. they fixed them for long periods of time. So still heaps of clients like that that aren't really feeling the pain yet, um, but the clients that are—they're aware of it, they're comfortable with it. We've got cash flow plans to be able to ride this out, and we're pretty confident they're going
0: to be—you know—every single one of them is going to be fine um, throughout that and you know, this this cycle. So those cash flow plans, how do you basically prepare these for your clients? How do you make them recession proof? Yep, good question. Um, it, it comes down to the client. So
1: clients, some clients need a bit more structure. And some clients don't need as much structure. It comes down to the discipline of a person, right? You know, it's like, you know, if we, we look at, you know, we can probably compare it. If we you know, go to the gym, you know, there's some people who need to be very regimented and go first thing in the morning at all times, or some people who can be a bit flexible. They'll go every day, but they'll go at different times of the day, mm. right? Cash flow, we think, is the same thing. So some clients, we've got really regimented bucket strategy where they've got cash or income going in. And then all their money is getting stifled down into different buckets. Mm-hmm. All right. Then there's some where we've just got one bucket strategy where the money goes into the offset account um, and then they just have all their direct debits and they manage to save on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everyone's a bit different, but we just do a
0: bespoke you know, cash flow strategy for each person. Would you be able to delve deeper into this? Is it multiple bank accounts that you're talking about with the different buckets? Because I know with like Macquarie Bank, for example, if you get a home loan with them, you get 10 offset accounts. That's also 10 debit cards that's 10 more that you've got to manage. You go into your app, you've got 60 bucks here, you've got 100 bucks here, you've got 1,000 bucks here. Could you explain that a little bit, how you use these buckets? Yeah. So I think the best way for
1: us to do it or the best way we've found to do it is you have – you divide into sort of three buckets. Um, One bucket is everyday spending, so things like your groceries, you know, restaurants, dinners. Petrol. Booze, petrol, whatever, Mm -hmm. um, all that sort of stuff. That's your everyday stuff. Then you've got some which is the long-term saving – yeah. So, like, that's obviously trying to save up for you know, either a holiday, car, another investment property, paying down
0: debts, whatever the case is. So that's yeah. a long term sort of strategy, saving. Just to tap into that, are we talking about term deposits, or are we talking about regular savings accounts, strong interest rate ones? We try and use offset accounts. Okay. Yeah. You know, saving five or saving
1: six percent now mm-hmm. is better than earning you know four and a half five percent. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we always try and use offset accounts. Um, and then the final sort of bucket strategy is, um, just sort of longer term, uh, expenses. So like Rego is one of those ones that pops up once a year,
0: some insurance premiums, house and contents, all that sort of stuff in there. Yep. Strata as well. Strata is a good one. You never yep. know what you're going to have to pay for. I remember the other day I got hit with council rates and I think it was $983 and, you know, obviously got to dip into one of those buckets and pay for it. But yep. if I overspend on my weekly amount, which a lot of people can do, myself included can do that very, very quickly. Yep. You see what can happen. It could just cause a little bit of drama in your life. Oh, all of a sudden you've got to put your council rates on your credit card. You forget to pay your credit card bill. Six weeks later, how much is the interest? 21%. So that 983 bucks turns it's a 1200 bucks. And then all of a sudden it's just like crap, if <laughs> you know what I mean. So it's great to hear that you guys are doing those types of strategies. Are you sitting down? Is it a written budget or are we noticing the written budgets aren't working as well as, you know, tech, technology-based budgets or anything along the lines of that? Yeah, we do both. Okay. So we like to do a
1: written budget, get the clients to actually do it themselves, sit down and do a bit of a review mirror look. Yeah. So they'll do a written budget. We've got a, you know, a pretty cool spreadsheet template that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we've done that, we manage. So with their cash flow, we actually have all their clients set up into um, a, a little app or a little tool
0: called My Prosperity. Mm-hmm. And then we track their budget and link it back to – what they said, I'm laughing right now because Andrew could see what I was spending money on, <laughs> and then he tracks back to the individual, yeah. And then from there, they can actually see, Oh, this is how much money I've been, you know, putting towards gaming, for example, or this is how much money I've been putting towards pubs. Oh, I can actually cut down about 200 bucks a week on that, exactly right. Am I correct in saying that, exactly right? Yeah, yeah. or or it even goes, you know, when we do a year, your annual review, it's
1: like, you know, you said. You can save this much. Let's say it's five grand a month, 60 grand over 12 months, but we've only saved 40. Mm. Where's that 20 grand gone? Yeah.
0: Then we can compare it with what your actual spend was and what you know you said you can do. So one key question, and I asked this to Christian the other day, for individuals, do you need to be wealthy to approach a financial advisor? Do you need to be someone that owns five properties right now or- Can you just be a regular person trying to get ahead in life? No, you don't need to be wealthy.
1: You definitely don't need to be wealthy. I think the biggest thing that comes to someone getting value from a financial advisor is how much they're willing to sacrifice and how much they're willing to save. Mm -hmm. Once you can master that and master cash flow, you can definitely do things to get ahead in life. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, There's obviously going to be limits on how much value you're going to get from an advisor. Mm -hmm. So, A wealthier person or someone earning a high income is going to get a lot of value from an advisor because they can do a lot more, change a lot more, adjust a lot more, save more. They're getting to get more value because of that reason. Mm. Whereas someone who's, you know, just trying to sort of get by, try and save a bit and get some value, they're not going to obviously get
0: as much dollar value as, yeah, a wealthier person. Mm. But it's just all about how much you save. I think it's very important for our listeners to know that having someone by their side, especially a professional. Well, you highlighted it all at the start. We don't get taught any of this stuff from kindy of to 12. You know, a lot of people don't even get taught this stuff at university, myself included. I did an economics and maths degree. I had no idea that there was a 15% tax rate for my superannuation and the 15% afterwards. I had no idea what, you know, oh, I thought if I earn over 180 grand a year, my tax rate is just 47%. I didn't realize it was a sliding scale kind of tax. So I think it's extremely important for individuals to be able to just jump on, you know, the Peak Wealth management website, just go through the blog or check out the other videos that Andrew's been a part of so he can explain this kind of stuff further for you. Do you agree with that? Yeah, 100%, 100%. And even, you know, there are services out there and, and we can offer it as well
1: where it's like you do a one-off plan, get things up and running, get a bit of a plan in place, and then you go and see someone at a later stage or see someone else after a couple of years to see okay. how you've improved you know it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have an ongoing relationship with an advisor like you know most people do or a lot of people do you can just get in there get a plan get a one off plan follow
0: that plan and then go see someone else in a couple of years time what is your advice for everyday australians to just get that one inch extra ahead in life what do you think is the best thing that they can do for themselves right now honestly get a budget
1: stick with a budget mm-hmm. like that is number one once you master your cash flow Everything else can flow on. You know, you master your cash flow. You can put a little bit of extra money into super. You can pay down your mortgage a little bit quicker. You can pay down personal loans a little bit quicker. You can buy an investment property faster. Mm-hmm. It's the number one thing. You know, you know, you're a business owner as well, right? Like the number one thing in your business is always the cash flow. How it's going? You know, yeah. if it's if it's negative, things aren't going too well. Nah. <laughs> you got to fix it pretty quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing personally. Okay, yeah. You got to. We kind of. It'd be cool to have, or cool to you know. Explain or, or or help everyday Australians mm-hmm. out the same way business
0: owners you know run businesses. Yep. Yeah. Always make sure more money's coming in than money's going out. Exactly. And if it's you know more money's going out, you've either got to rein that in or you just gotta make more. Andrew, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Where can our listeners find you? Cool. Um LinkedIn's a good spot. Uh Andrew DeBona on LinkedIn. Um
1: our website www.peakwm.com.au. Um, If you want to email us, info at peakwm.com.au or just contact us, all our
0: details are on our website. Fantastic. I want to thank everyone for listening to this great episode of The Finance Show with Joe. If you need any help with your home loan or any of your finances, you can also contact us at www.itsimple.com.au. There's a nice little button at the top there that says book a free call. You can also contact us at info at itsimple.com.au and you can also visit us on our Instagram page. You can see our puppy running around trying to guess the interest rates. That is It's Simple Finance. As always, my name is Joseph Dalwood, and this has been The Finance Show with Joe.